Hello, Royals, and welcome back to This Day in History. I'm your host, Therese Shimkus. So if you've been listening to the show for a while, you may remember an episode from November in which I covered the beginning of the reign of Nicholas II of Russia, most famous for being the last Tsar of the Romanov dynasty, as well as the last Tsar of Russia. Well, today, we're going to actually work backwards for that episode and cover the beginning of the reign of the first Tsar of the Romanov dynasty, Mikhail I. As I started doing my research for this episode, I was very surprised to learn that apparently the reign of Mikhail I is one of the least studied areas of Russian history. In fact, it seems that throughout the majority of his reign, he was not actually the most powerful person in Russia, but rather was being controlled by other influential players. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Mikhail was born Mikhail Fedorovich Romanov on July 22, 1596. Through his grandfather, Nikita Romanov, Mikhail was actually related to the last Tsar of the preceding Rurik dynasty, Fodor I, as his father was Fodor's maternal uncle. Fodor's death in 1598 brought on a period known as the Time of Troubles, in which Russia was plagued by internal disorders, foreign invasions, and a series of pretenders to the Russian throne. In 1613, 15 years after Fodor's death, the Zemsky Sobor, or Assembly of the Land, met to elect a new Tsar. At this time, Mikhail was actually living in a monastery with his mother, who had been forced to become a nun during the reign of Boris Gudunov, a former advisor to Fodor who had ruled from 1598 until 1605. Fun fact about Mikhail's family, both his parents had entered the religious life during the reign of Boris Gudunov, with his father, Fodor Nikitich Romanov, eventually becoming the Russian Orthodox Patriarch Philaret. Anyway, Mikhail was, as I mentioned, living with his mother at this time in the monastery when Zemensky Swobor meant to elect the new Tsar. Despite Mikhail being only 16 at the time, and despite his lack of education, he was actually elected by Zemsky Sorbor to be the next Tsar of Russia. He accepted very reluctantly, and after his coronation on July 21st of the same year, he essentially allowed his mother's relatives to take control of the government and run it for him. They did, as you can imagine, use their power to promote their own personal interests, but they actually did accomplish some positive things for Russia, by restoring order and quelling internal uprisings. They also made peace with two nearby powers, Sweden and Poland, through the Treaty of Stolbovo in 1617 and the Truce of Delino in 1618, respectively. Now, as you may remember, Mikhail's father had entered the religious life as a monk during the reign of Boris Gudunov. During that time, he had actually been taken to Poland, where he was held in captivity until 1619. When he returned to Russia, became patriarch of the Russian Orthodox Church under the name Philaret, and essentially began to co-rule with his son. From that point until his death in 1633, he absolutely dominated his son's government. However, Falaret arguably also accomplished some good things for Russia, as he made greater use of the Zemsky Sobor, increased cultural, commercial, and diplomatic contact with the rest of Europe, and worked to solve Russia's financial dilemmas. After Falaret's death, Mikhail's mother's family again essentially began to run his government, until Mikhail's own death in 1645, when the throne went to his son Alexis. So while Mikhail did not eventually play much of a role in his own government, I think it is worthwhile pointing out that the dynasty that began with him, the Romanov dynasty, lasted for over three centuries, which is very impressive, especially if you are familiar with certain parts of British history. And with that, have a great rest of your day, Royals, and I'll see you on Thursday.